Welcome to Raising Queens, not just a podcast, it's a movement. Here's your host, Carmen Rosas, a mom, entrepreneur, and queen bee with a love for boba tea and random dance parties. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Raising Queens. We are on episode number 12 with a good friend of mine. We go way back um, to like 13, 14 high school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say how old we are now, so, um, but to high school. and. Um, Today, I am going to be chatting with Peppa Paniagua. Peppa is a California native who took the leap and moved to Texas, where she works to build community, helps others to cultivate meaning, meaning and empower others to uh, live their most authentic lives. And Peppa, I know you're married. I can't remember. I was like, I just know you by your maiden name. I was like, this is what we knew from high school. So if I got that wrong, I apologize. <laughs> You're good. Um, we didn't like, I didn't take Kelly's last name. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've combined our names, but only um, like really casually with our friends. Ah, so okay. We can, okay. yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> so what do you, thank you so much for being here, first of all. And then why don't you share with the listeners um, just a little bit about like what you're doing, how you ended up in Texas. Um, and by the way, I have to say that you are picking up the Texas accent. Uh, <laughs> I know. Well, so what's <laughs> funny is that I've now lived in Texas, a place that I said I would never live. Um, I've lived here for 15 years. Oh my gosh. Has it been that long? 15, 14. Oh, wow. let's see. Oh, five. So yeah, 15, 15 oh. years. I've lived here in Texas almost as long as I lived in California, which yeah. Some would say means I have to start thinking about giving up my California status, and my response to that is never, never, <laughs> never gonna do it. Um, so yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. This is so fun. It's so fun, like connecting with folks as grown-ups <laughs> when we were in high school together. Um, so yeah, I grew up in California. Grew up um, on the peninsula with you and all that that entails, right? So went to college in Washington State. I went to Whitman College, which is a tiny, itty bitty liberal arts school in Walla Walla, Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> the town's so nice, they named it twice. Like that's what you have to say every time. I mean, it's oh my so gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so went to college and then felt a call to go into ministry. Um, so yeah, I'm a Presbyterian pastor, just FYI, um, felt a call to go into ministry and went to talk with my college advisors and they were like, yeah, we have no idea of how to help you with that. Like, sorry, we've never had somebody come in talking about like God and ministry and pastoring. So luckily my pastors at home, um, I grew up at a Presbyterian church in Portola Valley. So really beautiful, lots of redwoods. They said, okay, well, here's every bit of information on all the seminaries. And somehow I got connected with Austin Presbyterian Seminary. And they flew me out for a weekend because I was clear that was the only way I was going to go is if somebody else was paying for it. <laughs> so I went to visit. Um, and about 10 minutes after being on campus and feeling the vibe of Austin, I was like, oh, okay. I could do this because Austin has a bit of like a 
a bit of a Berkeley, San Francisco meld of That's a vibe. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I know a few people have moved to Austin and they're like, I'll mm-hmm. only move there. I won't go anywhere else. But that's what they say that so many, there's so many California transplants there. Yes. And I completely understand the reasoning between like of wanting to stay in Austin because I now live, I lived in Austin for three years for grad school and then moved up to the Dallas Fort Worth area to start working. And the two are only three and a half hours away, but like lots, lots of difference there. Um, So DFW, the Metroplex, I live in a city called McKinney with my wife, Kelly. Um, So the reason I didn't take her last name and she didn't take mine is her last name is Rabelais. And then we thought if we were going to hyphenate, it would be Rabelais Paniagua or Paniagua Rabelais. And that's like, that's just not. (laughs) It's a lot. We jokingly call our house. Well, not jokingly. We call our house Casa Rabalagua, which we kind of like, but neither of us want to give up our names because they're cool. So um, we live here with our three dogs. And so my work life now is, I serve a church in Dallas as a minister of outreach and education, but I'm also starting a new worshiping community. So as one of the only out LBGT members of, well, there aren't a lot of us up here, but as a pastor, the number gets even smaller. So in my region, I'm one of a very small handful of out LBGT pastors. And so we, look around in this context and there's not a lot of options for folks. Um, and I got tired of that. (laughs) And so, um, that's what I'm doing now. So I'm, I've started this worshiping community called kingdom community. Um, and it's online now because that's how we have to do things, but it's growing and it's awesome. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And that was one of the things that prompted me to, to like bring you on. Right. And it's almost like if there's not necessarily a community that you fully feel like you belong to, or that, you know, you want to be a part of like create your own, like there are probably so many other people that are feeling the same way. Um, but just don't know where to start or how to start it. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask, start with the first question and then we're going to dive deeper into kind of the community building because as you are creating your legacy, right. And I know for a lot of people like church is really big, donating to charitable causes is a big deal. Um, but I really want to dive deeper into like the community aspect and just being around like-minded people and, um, the faith that kind of comes along with, right. And like the trust, self-trust even of like taking the leap, right. From jumping state to state. And even if it's, you know, for like some of the younger girls that are listening, like going out of state for college, like I ended up staying local. Um, I was only 20 minutes from home, but every part of me wanted to like go to the East coast (laughs) and then I chickened out last minute. Right. Um, so I want to dive into that. Um, but first question for you is what does it mean to be a queen? So I love this question because I think that the answer is probably different for every woman you've talked to. (laughs) Um, So if you had asked me five years ago, like what being a queen is, I would have probably had some canned answer of like married and kids and living in a house. And I would have probably given you the answer that I felt like the world expected me to say. 
So now my answer is a queen is someone who is confident in her own self, regardless of what the world might say, and is willing to confront the narratives that tell her she should be small or less than what she is. Um, it's weird. I get like a little bit I'm getting you right here right talking now. about yeah. it, right? Like, because I think a queen is just a woman who knows her worth and isn't willing to compromise on that or settle for anything less. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that so much. Um, yeah. Super goosebumps. Um, and I think that that's, you know, it's funny because you're saying it and I've heard it from other people, you know, it's like being confident in who you are. And, you know, like you said, like helping people like live their most, most authentic lives and us living our, you know, or these, you know, as a queen living your most authentic life. And it's so easy for us to be like, well, what do they want to hear? What am I supposed to say? What is the right answer? Um, and for whatever reason today, it's sitting different and actually random side note, right? So we're recording this on a Friday. And, um, Friday is like the day of Venus, which is like love. And for some reason, like self-love, right. Which is super important, right. Is coming up. And I don't know if that's why it's sitting different with me today versus like any other day, but you know, me and my like spirituality and yeah. all of that stuff. And so today is basically, you know, like the day of like, like Venus's day and like fertility and love and creation. And so, um, but in being a queen and being your most authentic self like you have to be in love with who you are at your core right mm -hmm. um and being able to speak that you also need to trust your decision making you need to be able to trust that you know who you are like there's this and feel free to jump in whenever you want but there's this you know like the the, like the self-trust topic right is like yeah being like faith that you're not going to go and screw it all up like whatever way you go right and like committing to yourself that you're not going to mess it up right? well and giving yourself the grace I would say to fail like and if it screws up being brave enough to keep going and understanding that if it fails it wasn't meant for you so like if I'm honest like the journey to self love and authenticity was hard and the journey to getting to trust myself was hard until I was probably 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I lived my life pretty much on everybody else's terms. I, I, so I, I wanted, I was going to, I was like, I do, I wanted to ask you if you want to share a little bit more of your story. I don't know yeah. if like, you're open to that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an open book. So yeah. like, the first 30 years of my life were lived pretty much on everybody else's terms. I did what I thought I was supposed to do based on what I had been taught about success and being good. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because none of those messages came from my church. Those messages. I was going to say that feels like family. very Catholic y, mm -hmm. but you are not Catholic, mm -hmm. but you went to, not. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might've picked up a little bit of that at sacred heart, but not right. a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but when I hit like my early thirties and really, yeah, like very early thirties, 31, 32, I had everything in my life that I was told I was supposed to have except kids. Checked all the boxes. Right. Yep. I had checked all the boxes, education, career, marriage, owning a home. And I was the unhappiest I'd ever been. 
I was miserable at the point in my life where everybody said that I should feel accomplished and happy. And I wasn't. And so when I started taking stock of my life and looked at the things around me, asking what can I do to make myself happier, right? Because I believe that you yourself are responsible for your own happiness and that the world will meet you there. Um, So I knew I had to get divorced. And so I did that. And in the process of that, this woman who had been in my life as my friend and as a close confidant, we realized that we were actually in love with one another. And so if you want to talk about like a journey to an authentic self and Mm -hmm. learning to trust yourself when you are 32 and coming to grips with a change in how love can look in your life, Mm -hmm. um, People ask me all the time, well, did you always know you were gay? And I'm like, well, no, I didn't. I was just as surprised as everybody else. But I think what I had always been taught and because, was- Right, I don't know if people like caught that, but you were married to- Oh, I was married to a dude. A man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you were married to a man. man. I yeah. That part. I'm like, I know that part up here. But I was married to a man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, I just remember some of my friends being so worried that I'd been living a lie or that I hadn't felt safe to tell them Mm. who I was. And the reality was love had always been something that was explained to me as open and that you love a person for who they are. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Kelly and discovered how I felt about her and gave myself permission, that was a big piece. I had to give myself permission to feel that and to let that be. And so the love piece happened naturally. And that's what was, that's the piece that's hard for a lot of folks to understand is that we fell in love with each other because she's Kelly and I'm Peppa, not because I'm a girl and she's a girl, if that makes sense. Like it has nothing to do with the physicality of our bodies. It has everything to do with the spirits and the souls Mm -hmm. that we are. So we fell in love and being in Texas as a pastor who's already ordained and already working in the church, um, that gets complicated really, really fast. And I, at one point had to really sit and resolve within myself that I'm equally called to serve, but I'm also equally called to be happy and to be in love and to have love in my life. And when Kelly and I made the decision to move forward in our relationship and to get married eventually, I knew that that would have cost professionally, but I also knew because of the faith that I've had my whole life, that God was creating something else, even if it didn't look like what I thought it was supposed to look like. Right. Um, so I had like a quick study, (laughs) like (laughs) baptism by fire, drinking (laughs) from a fire hose of what it is to be like, okay, this is who you are. This is how you can be authentic to yourself. I knew that as Peppa, I couldn't make a choice otherwise. Like, cause I'll be honest, like, and I think if she were in the room, she would say the same thing. Kelly and I really weighed it. And there were a lot of obstacles that came into our lives that gave us the opportunity to not be together. Hmm. And if we had made those choices, it would have been different, but we had a common core that we could not choose 
any differently. So I had to trust myself and trust that um, and trust the love that the two of us have. I mean, it's working out pretty good so far. Yeah. No, you, you know, you look so happy. Like, and I, you know, we've kind of connected when I was out in Texas a couple years ago. It's been two years already. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So, you know, you look so much happier, right. And you can see the difference. Like, I'm sure if you were to look at pictures from, you know, like five years ago till now, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sure you can see it. Um, and there's so much about your story that I love, right? Um, because so many people are afraid to like step up and into who they are because they're afraid of what other people will say or because it goes against the norm of their family, their religion, their culture, whatever it is. Um, and you're right, right? So many people can just go in and say, well, there's so many reasons why this shouldn't be happening. And we're just going to go with that rather than focusing and trusting that there's these other signs that are like, no, this is the way you're supposed to go. And they may be more challenging, but it's, you know, climbing to the mountaintop, right? Like it's challenging going uphill, but once you get to the top, whoo, and then you get to walk back down. (laughs) Right. I mean, and I think I didn't realize, and so like to all of the young women listening to this, I didn't realize how much I had internalized the message that I didn't deserve Mm. happiness or love or a big life, right? Like I didn't realize how much I had internalized the messages. (laughs) Like like full body because I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I had internalized this sense of not being worthwhile, like not worth happiness, joy, a big career, having what I want, right? Like, and five years ago, if I'm honest, when people asked me what I want, I couldn't tell them. So I had like taken myself completely off of my own list. And when I look back at pictures of myself from then, I'm like, I don't even know who that girl is. Because mm-hmm. she, yeah. She was on the way to becoming me, but we're very different. Right. And you know, something that, so I also, right, like it was right before my 30th birthday where, you know, I don't know, you know, if everyone knows my story that's listening, but I've talked about it a few times where it was right before my 30th birthday. And I was like, I need a sign. And then six months later I was pregnant and I was like, whoa, okay, this isn't what I was planning, but let me try to be the best version of myself because I have to be a role model for this little person that I'm bringing into this world. Right. Because I didn't want her to have the same examples that I had for relationships or what that looked like. And I didn't want her to kind of deal with the same crap that I had been dealing with. And at that point I had already started my personal development. So it's funny, right? You get to 30, some people are 40 when they start on their personal development. There's no right or wrong age. Some people are, you know, 15, like they're great. You know, and that's the whole point of the podcast too, is to get some of the young women that are listening to start really diving into knowing their worth and who Mm -hmm. they are at their core, not based on what, our parents and grandparents and society tell us to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think we have, you know, similar stories in that, you know, and I think it's just for women in general, we're taught to be a certain way. We have these boxes that we're supposed to check. We're supposed to get married. We're supposed to have kids. You know, we do college, we get married, we buy the house, we have the kids and it's all in that order. And if for some reason you do it out of order or differently, you're doing it wrong. Right. And so, yeah. And so I completely relate to that. Um, 
Tell us a little bit, um, share with us about, because I know faith is huge, right? And I believe, you know, we can call it faith, we can call it self-trust, we can call it, you know, trusting God, we can call it trusting the universe, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? But there's this, this, the ultimate core, right, is faith. And I guess, how did that help you get, like, get through it, right? Like, how did... Yeah, because it, it's hard. Right? It <laughs> You're is just hard. Like, let me just, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't even know who, who, who I'm quoting right now, but it's like, um, what if I fall? Right. And it's like, oh, but darling, what if you fly? What if you fly? Right. Like it's yep. one of my favorites. And so with every decision that we have to make in our life, whether it's an easy one or it's like a hard one, you know, such as like, you know, coming out or getting divorced or, you know, ending a long-term relationship, like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, starting, leaving a job or leaving the state, leaving the country for, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there's that, that faith and self-trust. Like what, like, how did you get through it? And maybe what is like, what was your, one of like your biggest challenges um, that you think that you faced? So, how I got through it really was just leaning back into the things that I had seen in my life. Um, so I call it God. That's just what's native to me. And my faith in God has been ever present, both from people talking about God, but also my experiences with God. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm adopted and this is like, so this is how I understand God. When I was very little, I would ask like, how, did our family get put together? Right. Because I, I was I born. I forgot that. Like I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I forgot okay. that part too. Yeah. yeah. So I was born in Oklahoma city and four days later, my parents took me to California where I was raised. So I claim California native and I'll claim it till I die. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> so my parents just told me from the very beginning that God knew that my birth mother could have me and carry me and knew that my parents couldn't have children together naturally. So, or biologically, however you want to say it, Mm -hmm. things weren't working when they were trying. So God knew and they, my parents had prayed. So God found a woman and that woman was going to have a baby that she couldn't take care of, but that she loved very much. So God found a way to connect the two of us. And then she, my mom, so my mom, Kathy, um, has dimples that are big and deep, just like mine. And so my mom said, and God gave you dimples so that when I saw you, I would know you were mine. Oh, I know it's like the sweetest, (laughs) most tender thing. Right. So from the very beginning, God was acting in my life Mm. in ways that are tangible, visible. And so when that's your beginning experience, right? Like that has completely grounded everything in my life. So my faith in God has been deep and abiding always. Mm -hmm. I've always leaned on that. I've always looked to specific passages. Like there's a passage in scripture from the book of Joshua that says, be bold and be courageous for I'm with you wherever you go. Mm. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." that's kind of my mantra. Like that is my reminder when stuff gets hard. But I will be honest, one of the biggest challenges I've ever had as I've made changes or lived more fully into who I am is having to learn to separate church and God, which as a pastor is really difficult (laughs) Yeah, because 
I went through seminary and I had an amazing, I grew up in a really healthy church in California, went to seminary, had an amazing experience, worked in a bunch of churches that were really, really great and wonderful. And then I had a church, I worked at a church that just wasn't the best fit for me and really made it clear that not all people are welcome at some churches. And that was a really clarifying moment for me because when I met Kelly and we began our relationship for the first time in my life, I was part of the group that some churches don't accept. Mm. That's a really hard pill to swallow when you've given your life to service to a church, right? Mm. So I, in that moment and in that time, that season, I mean, that was four years ago. I almost left church altogether and I almost left ministry altogether. Mm. Like really thought heavily. I, I remember about. seeing, yeah, seeing some, some posts or maybe having a combo. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. So I almost left it all together and said, this isn't what it's supposed to be. And in conversations with the people I trust and with my pastors, I came to understand that God is actually bigger than all of that. Mm -hmm. And so just because I was struggling with church didn't mean that that's what God wanted for me. So that really set me on the path of setting in like close and listening and getting still um, and trying to discern really what God was calling me to do. And that, I mean, that's how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, mean, once I, I love, I love that because the separation between like church and God, right? Because mm-hmm. I believe in God, mm-hmm. um, my energy or my being may look different from yours or from someone else's, but God is all loving. Right. And mm-hmm. there's this idea that just because you go to church or because you're religious in one of these traditional quote unquote, you know, traditional religions that I don't want to say like you're somehow better or whatever. Right. Is, right. Where these, these, um, communities, right. Because that's essentially what they are. Um, they still get to set their own rules and their own conditions. Right. Whereas with God, um, it's this like acceptance, right. Like of you as you are as completely like you being completely you, right. Like you would not have been created the way that you were created if God didn't intend it right? Correct. And so it's stepping into that and owning that and loving all of that, regardless of what a church in the traditional Mm -hmm. sense would say, or other people, you know, families, cultures, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really love that distinction because so many times, right? For example, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade, then on to Sacred Hearts, all of high school, then to Santa Clara, where it's Jesuit, right? So I've been in Catholic school since I was four and a half. (laughs) You know, the first school that was not Catholic was law school. And so I was raised in the Catholic church. And there were many times, especially, you know, taking world religions at, you know, Sacred Heart, I was like, I questioned everything about it. And I was just like, all of these rules, all of these regulations, like it doesn't seem like God loves everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think that's important because as people are raised in certain religions, right. They're also, those beliefs are instilled in them that you have to be a certain way to be loved by God, or you're going to hell or whatever it is, you know, that people believe in. Um, 
and people get caught up in that. And they're so, you know, for example, like I think of my mom and she's like, well, I don't believe in God. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Someone who raised me in a Catholic household, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, or I don't know that there is a God. She's like, because then, you know, it's that question, well, then why do bad things happen to people? Why do bad things happen in the world? And um, it's just, it's, if it doesn't look the way in which we're taught it's supposed to look, then there's something wrong or that it's not real or that it's bad, right? And so I think people come, they get to this point where they become atheist, right? Or maybe they explore a different religion, but there's still God, right? But they believe that there's not a higher being and they maybe go to Mm -hmm. science or whatever it is that they go to. Um, But it's that strict structure um, of the traditional religion that not forces them, but causes them to leave God as the being and energy, right? So I really love that distinction. I think that's really important. Um, Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of that here. So it's interesting. Texas is an entirely different universe in terms of religion because we are in the south ish Mm. and so there are a lot of really really conservative branches of christianity here i bet (laughs) it's fun it's an adventure right like i always just am like okay with you like go ahead but that when i finally was able to make the separation between church and god I think that's when I really said, okay, yes, I am called to serve the church, but my call ultimately comes from God. Who I am ultimately comes from God. And so my life needs to reflect that. And honestly, like since then, and it's funny because the powers that be who are in charge of like my life and what I do, Mm -hmm. um, like jurisdictionally here, that's a big fancy word, but uh, (laughs) like, they have noticed in the past three years, like my, I ask a lot more questions. I don't just go along to get along and I do something because it feels right, not because it's the thing I should. And my rules now come from God Mm. pretty much period and stop. (laughs) And so like, that's why kingdom has come to be really, because when I looked at the church around here, And I looked at these communities of people who had been told, well, you don't belong here or we've really hurt you and we're not going to do anything to make that better. So we're not like, Mm -hmm. there's all of these people here who do still have a deep spirituality and a deep love of God or universe or higher being. Mm -hmm. And yet church just doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm fortunate in that there are enough of those people who I know who trust me. And so kingdom is this little, like, it's like the Island of Misfit Toys, right? Like we are all people who've been wounded, who've been hurt. um, And who've said, maybe there's a different way. You know what? I, so just kind of randomly, right. Is, mm -hmm. um, are so you guys are live streaming right now? Is that how, or how how is it set up? Okay. Yeah. So it's funny because I'm a planner. You know that about me. Like I, I like to live my life with a planner in one hand and a (laughs) cup of coffee in the other. And so like when kingdom came to be like, it took about a year of getting the groundwork set for that and kind of getting a picture of what it was supposed to be. And a lot of praying and a lot of training because starting a new church is not 
Like you don't just like has go it been a year already? So we've been oh, no. It's a year of plant. Well, so it was, yeah, it's been a year. I remember our call. We had a call was, and I don't remember like when it was, but we were asking, you wanted some direction, right? And so we kind of chatted funny. a little bit. Holy cow. I mean, this six months of this year, you know, we're almost six months into this right. year. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That call, since that call, it's been a year. Oh. So we finally got things in place to actually start the work of it not even actually meeting but like laying the groundwork right. and getting word out and a friend of mine after a really great conversation in a meeting was like when can i start inviting people to that kind of stuff well it was like i was kind of like how do i join like how can right. i sit in like how do i become a part of it? i know that i'm not yeah. in texas but if you're doing it via zoom like oh come on i can like, join i was like yeah. so we'll have to get all the details from you so that other one everyone else can join too but yeah i'm definitely like how do i get kingdom in because i'm totally a misfit <laughs> yeah kingdomcommunity.com kingdom. is the easiest way it's all in right k-i-n-d-o-m dot com community.com community perfect and it's called kingdom because kingdom this is a fun thing to like dive into kingdom is a word um and now that i've said who now that i've said that it's a word and i was going to go to define it the woman who said it i think it's ada maria asasi diaz but i cannot don't hold me to that i think that's right but if i'm wrong there's grace yeah. someone who's not me came up with this brilliant word kingdom because um, as she looked around, she realized that the word kingdom with the G had been used like against people and as a mechanism of the patriarchy and keeping people out. Mm -hmm. So in a kingdom, there can only be a king, right? So like- Well, so I have an issue with that word too, right? Cause I'm like, well, this well, is my queendom then. Like, <laughs> because right, being the queen that I am, like yeah. I'm the queen of the <laughs> kingdom. Like if that's the only word that we have, like I've had it, I've been sitting with that. So let's do yeah. this is going to be good. <laughs> so it's, it's a problematic word for so many reasons. So kingdom, she took the G out. I've inserted a dot. So it's K-I-N dot D-O-M mainly so people know that I'm intentional about it, that it's mm -hmm. not just a mistype. Mis yeah. So kingdom means like the full and open relationship of all of God's beloved. Mm. So it's a place where everybody belongs. Like I imagine it like this big long table where somehow magically there just always ends up being room for whoever shows up. Mm. Right. Like that. That's yeah. what I want it to be. And it doesn't say all of God's beloveds who agree all the time or all of God's beloveds who go to this church and drive this car or love this type of person. Mm -hmm. It's all of God's people, all of them, all beloved. And so when I was trying to figure out a name, which by the way, I do not know how people name children because naming <laughs> this community was so hard. But when I heard the word kingdom, I was like, it's the same way we it. name dogs, same way. <laughs> Okay, good. So this, the word kingdom was like such a gift because it allowed me to say and to encompass without having to write like 10 pages of what I wanted to say, right? It's just right there. So kingdom has become this thing. We, a friend of mine in late January, so we weren't start, supposed to start meeting. So you want to talk about trusting yourself and taking a leap. 
we were not supposed to start meeting until September of this year. Mm. Okay. So January. Oh, kind of early. That's kind of early. Yeah. You're like, huh? So <laughs> a friend of mine in January after a meeting was like, how do I start inviting pe people to that kind of a conversation? And I was like, well, I mean, that's what we're going for. We're going to build up to that and I'll let you know. And she goes like, being for the real that you are, you have to have yeah. everything lined up and ready mm -hmm. to go. And yeah. And exactly. ready, right? There's that ready. ready the idea I needed it to be, <laughs> I needed to be prepared. It needed to be ready. All of the things. And she said, if you tell me I have to wait till September, like I'm going to lose my crap. And I was like, okay. And in a moment that is like, not like me. Right. I was like, well, when do you want to meet? Thinking she'd say May, June. She was like, how about next week? <laughs> I said, okay. So then I had to go back and like scurry to all of the powers that be and say, You're like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Like literally, I think I was like in a constant state of in my head for the remainder of that week. So I went and got permission, like had to get clarification that I could actually start the process of meeting and start everything. And thank God we did. Right. Like I told her the other day, I was like, um, way to go because we had three in-person gatherings and then we had to shut it all down. And because we had had in those meetings enough of a critical mass, we were able to move online and it was easy because there was no like, oh, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. We just got to transition. And so we meet on zoom four times a month now. And it's probably going to increase because people are asking now if we'll start like a Sunday devotional or something. Mm. I mean, so we're, we're going. Yeah. So something that came up for me while I, while I was listening to you talk, right. Because, and the idea of being ready because nobody's ever ready. That's like saying, Oh, when I, you know, it's it, that question, right? Like, Oh, when are you going to have kids or Oh, when are, it's like, Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. My finances aren't ready. Like, I feel like ready is a lie. Like that's kind of the motto I go by. Like you're never going to feel a hundred percent ready to Amen. do anything, whether it's run a half marathon, run a marathon, have a kid, adopt a dog, whatever it is. Like, yeah, there's like ready is a lie. So what yeah. advice do you have for the women that are listening, whether they're young, older, second, like go at life, right? Like yeah. life type thing. What advice do you have for people who haven't started the thing that they've been wanting to do because they don't feel ready? So my advice really would be a few things. One, start talking to the people, get really clear on who you trust and start talking to those people about, ask them questions like, okay, you know me, where do you see me light up? Where do you see me get really excited? when I'm talking about X, Y, and Z. So if you've got a dream or something that you're like hesitant to start, ask the people in your life that you trust to be honest with you about what is different in you when you talk about that dream. And maybe have them give them permission to ask questions of why you haven't started um, or what's holding you back. Yeah. The other thing that I had to practice and still have to practice, right, is being able to find space to get quiet within yourself 
and ask yourself, is the fear of not doing this or whatever's stopping me from not doing this, is it worth possibly sacrificing what will happen if I do? Is the failure, the fear of failure or the fear of it not being enough or the fear of not being ready? Like you're going to fail. You're not going to be ready. It's not going to be enough for everybody. Like accept that, know that, but also know that for some, like in very real ways with what, when you step into what you are meant to do in your life, Mm -hmm. that's life giving, not only for you, but for the people that need that thing. Yeah. And I think trusting that only you are called to do the things that you are called to do. And the world needs that. Like I used to be like, that is so corny when people would be like, the world needs you and your gifts. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Like the world does not need another preacher. Right. But the world does need space for people to gather, to have honest conversation, to ask questions and to seek. The world needs that. The world needs more spaces that look like people who are messy coming together saying what we're trying. Cause that's, I mean, that's it, right? Like the, and in my world here, nobody else was doing that, that I was aware of. And nobody else had the qualifications or the unique set of circumstances. And when I'm talking qualifications, I don't mean degrees. I mean, the scars and the battle wounds of life. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has that. So, well, and, and even if they did, right, it would show up differently for them than it did for you. Right. Right. And you would show up, they would show up differently for their community. Correct. Um, than the way that you show up for yours. Yeah. Um, so even if somebody had been doing the same thing, right. Cause there's this dumb idea and I'm going to say it's dumb because it is right. Where women are in constant cause it's there, right. Like thanks to the patriarch, yes. women are in constant competition with each other, right? And it's the idea that, what you know, men are women, right? But nobody else, like we are our own competition because mm-hmm. we are divinely called to share the message that we're here to share, right? And do the things that we were placed on this earth to do. Um, yeah. And nobody can do it in the same way, right? Like I can easily be like, there's a ton of attorneys, there's a ton of life coaches, so I'm not going to get out and share my message. But the way that I show up and the way that I do things um, is different in a lot of ways than most attorneys and coaches, right? Like, it's just, I show up differently. Like my skin color is different. Like my big hoops are different, you know, just my attitude is different. Right. And so people will identify with that and not with, you know, someone else or, you know, cause in the fir- like the field that I'm in, right. In terms of the state planning, I deal with a lot of old white men. Um, I'm the complete opposite of that. <laughs> Right. So, and I know that, that yeah, like old white men, I mean, and and we we won't even get into that right now, but have been running this country and have been instilling these beliefs in, in, in women and people for so long. Right. That, uh, I was like, we are not, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other episode. episode. Yeah. But it's that we are not in competition with each other, right? And I think that's part of being a queen too, is that we adjust each other's crowns because we can all be up on top and rule this world, right? In our own unique way and yeah. Well, and I also think for me, it was a shift in how I think. 
So in church world, we talk and in other world, nonprofit world, we talk about it from a mind's shift of like mindset of scarcity and a mindset of abundance. Mm -hmm. So like, that's just like a thing. It's not a churchy thing, but it's a thing in the world. So yeah, I talk about that too. Mm -hmm. That for me was huge because when I realized, because and scarcity was the lie that was telling me like they're already like for goodness sake like Glennon Doyle or yeah. Milton whatever her last name is Abby Wambach's wife like mm-hmm. she came out and wrote a book the same time I was coming out and doing all this stuff and I was like well I'm never gonna be like famous right so what is you the know who Gabrielle Bernstein is I don't so she's in spiritual world like so I had that similar, like the same experience where I was like, had this person on a pedestal and I was like, I will never be her or I'm never going to be Oprah. Like, it's like, why am I trying to get there? But (laughs) (laughs) so, and that was the thing. Like, I was like, well, nobody needs to hear my voice now because she's got a similar story and like, she's a person of faith and now she's married to a woman after being married to a man. Like that story has been told. Thank you very much. But when I started to realize that like it didn't have to be an either or it could be a both and Mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe there are people because the truth is not everybody's going to pick up her book. Not everybody's going to look But half the people listening right now may not even know who she is. Yeah, she's (laughs) an author. She's great. Um, Yeah, I love her. I know who she is, but I'm so lucky to like... (laughs) Mary, a bajillionaire. It yeah. just doesn't always work like that. Like she's the closest to like a <laughs> queer Disney princess story I can imagine. Right. <laughs> like the queen in shining armor happened to be Abby. Anyway, so it's like it's just funny. Hmm. But I, you know, my life doesn't look like that. But the the reality is, there are going to be people that need to hear bits and pieces of my life, you know? And what's funny is that my divorce, and this has been one of the most like profound things that I've learned. So my divorce happened for a lot of reasons, none of which involve my wife. But when I sat in therapy for like the millionth time and my therapist was saying, why are you still in this marriage? Why haven't you filed? You know what you are meant to do. You know, you're not happy. You know, you're ready to move on when I finally gave myself permission to answer that question and to say my happiness matters, that changed everything. Right. So like, that's been the biggest piece of my story that I've told other women. Mm. If you are in a position where you're in something that's comfortable, cause like I'm big on comfort and security, mm-hmm. comfort and security don't always mean that you're happy or living your best life. And so when I gave myself permission to put my happiness back on the table and to fight for that, everything changed. And so it really became like the advice I really always tell people is get quiet and start getting clear about what you want. And when you look at the landscape of your life, if it doesn't meet that, start making small steps to change it. My dogs are going to bark. There I think. They are. <laughs> um, so that, that was the other like thing for me too, when I started kingdom is it felt huge. Like 
I already in my head had this huge vision of what it would look like formed and what it would look like when all of the people were there, right? And the reality is like just opening it up to like a meeting, that's not how it's gonna look, right? Yeah. So being comfortable enough to trust yourself to take the first step. Like trust yourself. And if it's a first step that like is awesome and goes well, keep going. If it's a first step and you're like, oh crap, like going back, it's okay. Like it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to adjust. It's okay to be adaptable. It's okay to fail. Um, there's, okay. Have you seen the movie onward? Mm -hmm. So the scene where the younger brother, it's a movie about wizards. It's a Disney movie. It's really cute. It it was, we were waiting to catch it in theaters thinking, you know, all of the shelter in place would just go away, but now it's on Disney plus. So watch it. (laughs) It's on Disney Plus at home. Yeah. So this is our, our podcast plug for Disney Plus. Um, so it's a really sweet movie, but there's a scene where the younger brother has to trust his own power to cross that big canyon. And I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But that's like the best example I can think of, mm-hmm. of like trusting yourself to take the leap and go forward even when it's hard because you just have to do it one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really long answer to your questions. <laughs> no, no, it was great. I think there was so much in there, um, that, you know, like the women listening can like benefit from and like pull and whatever, you know, bits and pieces resonate. But, you know, even, you know, you were saying that, um, something that came up when you were talking was that, um, by us not showing up, right. And not doing the thing and that we're being called to do. Um, What I tell my clients, and because I really do believe this, um, is that you're being selfish. (laughs) Because you are being, you're unwilling to step out of your comfort zone, right? Get a little uncomfortable to share the message that you were put on this earth to share, which means that all of the people, even if it was just one person that you were meant to touch with whatever that thing is, like that one person wouldn't be able to benefit because you chose to stay in your comfort zone. Um, Well, and yeah, I mean, I think back to, to like prior to, I would say like who I am now, And I go, dang, like you really missed the boat and screwed up. Like I look back when I was younger, sorry, all three of them are just going to be noisy. Um, and I think, who am I, who was I to just like say, oh no, 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 sorry, God, you've given me this gift and this talent and this message. And I'm just not going to say it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to share it. So like. And what's funny is in the moments that I look back in my life, I've had some really defining crystallizing moments Mm -hmm. that have helped solidify a sense of call that's gotten me to where I am now. But those are the moments where I think, okay, those were the moments where I stopped thinking about what the world was telling me. And for some shining moment, I had clarity and those moments of clarity are sometimes rare but when you have them, trust them and go with them. Trust your gut. Cause like whoever told you that your gut and your intuition is not going to be honest with you is a liar. Well, you know, it's funny because I just had this conversation with a girlfriend the other day and we we're talking about our intuition and how we are trained to kind of 
go with our head, right? Like what is our head telling us? But when you go to take a multiple choice test, right? And they always tell you, go with your first answer. Don't erase it. Like, don't like if go with your gut. Like if it's C, pick C, right? Don't right. try to change it because most of the time you end up getting it wrong. And it's right. the same thing with life decisions, right? Like if you second guess it because of ego or because you get into your head too much and you're overthinking, then you're probably going to get it wrong, quote unquote wrong, right? Because it's one of these things where I don't get it wrong. It's just a lesson. <laughs> like you're learning. Right. Um, you're learning. But yeah, so it's tapping into that intuition part of it, right? Trusting your gut. Um, and, and so to kind of wrap things up a little bit, I want to just kind of, do you have any suggestions, right? Going into the self-trust, um, going with your gut, following your intuition, because all of that, right, is trusting yourself that you know the answer already. Like, and you, you yeah. have said a few times, right, you just go inward, silence the noise and the external BS and go inward, right? And so everything essentially that you need to know is inside of you. So how do we... I guess a tip maybe for how to trust yourself more. I don't know if that's. So <laughs> that's a good question. Like meditating prayer, yeah. like go in like, meditate. Yeah. Also be real cognizant of the voices that you're letting in. Mm -hmm. um, like, especially one of the things I did when I was trying to kind of reclaim myself for myself was I was really mindful and still am of who I follow on Instagram mm -hmm. and the messages I see. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I tend, and I will unfollow now people who are advocating anything other than a full sense of self-love, mm -hmm. right? So being mindful of the voices in your life, in your world, um, and taking time to hear your own voice and getting to know it. Mm. Um, I think a lot of women are taught to listen to the world before we listen to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So get in the practice, maybe journal. Um, journaling has been really helpful for me. Um, get a therapist or it, I have a therapist and a spiritual director and a coach, like mm -hmm. get all the help you can because help the journey to rediscovering and reclaiming yourself and learning to trust yourself, like it is something that you have to do alone, but that a team to help you do it is really right. helpful, <laughs> right? Like, does that yeah. make sense? Like you have to do it yeah. on your own, it's your work to do, but getting people in your life who can hold you accountable to that mm -hmm. is really helpful. Um, and honestly, the thing that I have just started, I didn't have words for it when, way back when, right? Um, but, pay attention to the voice that says go like this is for you and also pay attention to the voice that says stop hmm. pay attention to the voice that says you don't have to do this yeah and this is not for you pay attention to the voice of hesitation and pause because often that is your own internal self warning saying mm -mm. Mm -hmm. and there's a difference between hesitation and fear right yeah. And knowing the difference, like being aware that being afraid is fine. Yeah. You can be afraid nine times out of 10, you can still do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but hesitation, when you hear something or are getting ready to do something, something in you that is saying, God, like this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Trust that and name it. 
because chances are when you do that, you're giving somebody else permission to name it for themselves too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I like, awesome. yeah, no, it's, you know, it's in that hesitation, you know, what's coming for me up for me is that it's your higher self, like kicking and screaming, but like, no, yeah. this no, is not supposed it. to happen. Don't do it. And that's when we need to listen. Like we really need to, you know, be, we need to learn, know ourselves enough to be able to differentiate between the two, between hesitation and fear. Yeah. Yeah. And to then forgive yourself. I mean, that's huge. Cause like, I mean, I've had people in my life say, Hey, remember when we said this to you and you were like, Oh, it's fine. And you went on and did it anyway. And I had to live with the reality and consequence of that. Yeah. Giving myself permission and forgiveness to say, I needed to learn that lesson. And it's a mistake I will not make twice. Yes. Yeah. Like, I love that. So thank you so much for being here. I can't believe here. that. Like that was so fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, we could talk for so much longer and we'll probably come back and have more combos. Um, yeah. but I really love all of this. So if you guys have been waiting to do the thing, take the leap, trust yourself, go inward. You know, that's kind of a thing that everybody that's been on so far has been go inward. And so if you still haven't gone inward, <laughs> If this isn't your, like, another sign to, like, learn about yourself and learn who you are, go out and do it. Take 10 minutes a day, five minutes, whatever it is to just kind of learn yourself. And mm -hmm. if you guys want to join Peppa and her community, it's kindom, K-I-N-D-O-M, community.com. Dot right? org. Oh, dot org. Okay. Kingdomcommunity.org. And we'll put the link in the show notes too. So everyone will have them. But Peppa, thank you. Thank you so much for being thank here. You. This is so great. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Um, and for those of you listening, um, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Take care.